Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Good government protects people and preserves their freedoms. Bad government represses people through deceit and ruthless abuse of power. Nothing is more dangerous to democracy than a government of corrupt men. So Lord Acton was not quite right when he famously observed that power corrupts. Just the opposite is true. Unprincipled men corrupt power. The proof is the FBI. It was the Federal Bureau of Investigation under the leadership of James Comey that launched a secretive counterintelligence operation on presidential candidate Donald Trump in July of 2016. The Bureau then deceived the FISA court to gain a warrant to spy on his campaign. All of this was done without proper legal justification and in direct violation of both the law and FBI rules. It was based entirely on a lie invented and disseminated by Hillary Clinton. Comey and the FBI knew that, but they didn't care. Clinton's outlandish lie that Trump was a Russian asset was intended to smear her political opponent and distract from her own burgeoning scandals. Declassified documents from the CIA show that she approved the devious plot on July 26, 2016. President Obama was briefed immediately at the White House about what Hillary had done, but he chose to conceal what was happening. The FBI was informed, but also decided to hide the truth. It's a crime to give a law enforcement agency false information to frame someone for a criminal offense they did not commit. Yet instead of investigating Hillary Clinton, the Bureau opened a dilating probe of Donald Trump and allowed her lie to gain traction in the mainstream media that was all too happy to feed the phony narrative to the American public. To obtain its surveillance warrant against a Trump campaign advisor, FBI lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith altered documents. Comey and others withheld exculpatory evidence and manufactured incriminating evidence. By their actions, they defrauded the FISA court. Clinton's lie that Trump was somehow colluding with the Kremlin to win the 2016 presidential election was so brazenly untrue that the FBI quickly disproved it. But instead of ending its wrongful investigation of Trump, the Bureau escalated it 
under false pretenses. At the same time, the FBI and Hillary's acolytes continued to leak misinformation to the gullible media. Among those who were spreading the Trump smear to the FBI and the press was Michael Sussman, a lawyer for Perkins Coie. The firm represented the Clinton campaign and was, among other things, funneling money to ex-British spy Christopher Steele, who composed a fictional dossier on Trump that also formed the basis of the FBI's investigation and the ensuing media hysteria. In short order, the Bureau discovered that it was nothing more than a collection of lies, but they buried this tidbit of information. Kleinsmith eventually pled guilty to the charge of making a false statement, and now Sussman has been indicted by a grand jury in a case brought by special counsel John Durham, who is tasked with examining the corruption underlying the Russia hoax. In this episode of The Brief, I'll talk with Congressman Devin Nunes of California, who has been instrumental in uncovering the lies and corruption that led to this partisan witch hunt. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author, this is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. By now, you've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. It's designed to wear indoors, outdoors, all day long, made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. Made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family. I love mine. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Square and use promo code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and MyPillow Towel Sets, or just call one 800 5448939 and use promo code GREGG. Hello and welcome to the brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Special counsel John Durham is now widening his net and closing in on additional people who may be criminally indicted. In addition to the recent charge against attorney Michael Sussman, formerly of the law firm of Perkins Coie, Durham has issued a flurry of subpoenas as he continues to unravel the collusion lie conjured up by Hillary Clinton and propagated by her allies to both the FBI and the Trump-hating media. Joining me now to talk about it is Devin Nunes of California, the ranking member of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, who helped unearth critical evidence and expose the Russia hoax, what is surely the dirtiest political trick in American history. We'll also be talking with him about the Inspector General's new report identifying 
shocking surveillance abuses by the FBI. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Hey, Greg, thanks a lot. And uh, you should not be so humble. There were very few reporters like yourself, investigative journalists who actually did anything on this. So there wouldn't have been for just a very few of you. Uh, in those early days, uh, it would have been just us by ourselves. So I'm always very thankful for the for the great investigative work that you did also. Well, thank you very much for saying so. So let's begin now with Special Counsel John Durham, uh, a new indictment uh, and a cascade of subpoenas that have been issued. Congressman, where do you see this going? And is it where you think it should go? Well, I've been kind of a lone man in the wilderness now for a while. I've always stated from the beginning that I liked where Durham was going. And, you know, there was a lot of criticism out there in the, you know, not just by the left, but also by the right who were saying, ah, he's not going to do anything. Uh, But I saw very early on that this was a serious investigation. And largely the, the telling sign, you'll appreciate this, Greg, is there were no leaks. So unlike the Mueller fiasco, where the, you know every day was a new leak with a new fake narrative, a new phony story, those guys were leaking everywhere to the fake news outlets. With Durham, you get crickets, absolutely zero. Uh, and the only thing that you've actually seen leaked so far, if you pay, if for those you know folks who pay close close attention, it's been the people that are in trouble going to their favorite fake news places like the Bezos Washington Post and the New York Times and saying, you know, and and so they get kind of the most favorable story out as possible. I mean, the great example of that is, is that before the Sussman uh, indictment, uh, the day before they came out with the story, oh, nothing burger, it pled down, it's just a zero. And then, of course, (laughs) it comes out the next day and it's a 27 page indictment, which is a really scary indictment, quite frankly, because I think when Congress wrote the law uh, and implemented the law about lying to the FBI and it was implemented by the Justice Department, uh, I don't think any of us ever thought we'd have American citizens running around going into their you know, FBI field office and lying about their fellow American citizens to frame them. So, right. I mean, clearly it's within the statute. And in fact, it's so... Um, it's so sinister that I don't think anybody ever thought that, you know, Americans would do this to your fellow American citizens. And so it's probably the worst example of lying to the FBI that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. Let's uh, let's dig a little bit more into it. We, we know and you certainly know this from declassified documents that in the summer of 2016, the CIA gained reliable intelligence that it was Hillary Clinton who approved the plan to smear Donald Trump with false claims that he was colluding with Russia. In fact, she okayed the plot, the date was uh, July 26th, to disseminate those fictional claims to the FBI and then to the media. Now, as you point out correctly, under the law, giving the FBI knowingly false information, that's a crime. And in fact, then CIA Director John Brennan knew that it was a crime, which is why he sent a criminal referral to James Comey at the FBI, requesting that Hillary Clinton be investigated for potential crimes. What did James Comey do? He buried it. And later when he was questioned by the Senate Judiciary Committee, He feigned complete 
amnesia. Oh, golly gee, I, you know, I don't, I don't, criminal referral, I, I don't remember that. Congressman, is it frustrating to you that Hillary Clinton continued to get away with criminal behavior in both her email scandal and inventing the collusion hoax, feeding it uh, to the FBI. And by the way, every time she engaged in what I consider to be illegal conduct, each time it was James Comey who saved her. Yes. And and we believed back, you know, at the beginning of this investigation and we built the circumstantial case for it, that indeed it was because of the Clinton email server scandal uh, and them probably knowing that the Russians or the Chinese or somebody uh, or some other bad state actor or non-state actor probably had these files and they were scared to death that they would come out. Now, I actually believe that we've never even seen the worst of the emails, right? The ones that were destroyed. But right. it's likely somebody has them. It's likely the Clinton campaign knew that somebody had them. And that's why when you go back to at late 2015, um, when this when this kind of hoax started, it originally started as, let's try to tie Trump with dirty business dealings. Right. And then later, I think when they found out that, okay, Comey's doing an investigation, this could go the wrong way oh, crap, we have to change this. And then at one point, it flipped from kind of Russian or, or just from business guys that were Russian, possibly, and gang, gang tie, gangster type ties, oligarch ties, things like that. And it switched to, oh, Trump, and I'm paraphrasing, Trump is Putin's best friend. And that became the story. And, and probably they, they, they flipped that March, April timeframe of 2016. Then, of course, we know the day after Fourth of July, Comey comes out, exonerates Clinton. Uh, but those emails had become you know, a few emails had, had, had been leaking, not from the Clinton server, but other emails. And so I think they took that plug and play program and said, OK, whew, we got off. Comey let us off. But oh, crap, there's other emails coming out. We better do something. Let's get this rolling. And that's when they started with their propaganda. You had the Clinton campaign out there publicizing it everywhere. This is in 2016. This, this stuff is out there to see. This is why we say there's an easy circumstantial case here to build that these guys concocted the whole damn thing. And that's what we believe from the beginning, because, you know, as, as you know, somebody who has been involved in Republican politics, when I I actually stayed out, despite what the fake news will say, Greg, I actually stayed out of the Republican primaries. Uh, back in the day, I didn't endorse Donald Trump. I wasn't, you know, I, I, what I was doing because I was chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. And what I said at the time was to all of my, you know, I knew a lot of the people who were running. If you remember, there were like 15, 16 candidates, a lot of great right. candidates. And I said, hey, I'm the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Whoever gets through the primary here, I will be ready to brief you. So I'm going to stay out of this thing and I'm going to be ready to brief you. So I actually didn't didn't I, mean, I was at a couple Trump uh, when Trump came to Washington, you know, speak arounds with all the Republican members and in, in maybe the summertime uh, of, you know, right before the convention. That was the first time I ever had any interaction with Donald Trump. Uh, but then after the convention, I did exactly what I said is that was I just like I did for Romney and McCain and Bush. Uh, I did whatever I could as a as a loyal guy to try to help the party and try to keep uh, make sure that Hillary Clinton wasn't the president of the United States. So uh, knowing that, if you remember, Donald Trump didn't have a lot of support from the Republican Party. In fact, after the convention, I was one of the few out there that were actually trying to help 
which is which is ironic just because, you know, you know, nowadays, you know, every Republican acts like they supported Donald Trump. But the reality was that there was very few people. So that's right. You couple that that fact that when I see that that Trump basically has nobody on his campaign, no one helping. And then let me tell you one other important point. In the spring of 16, I was so pissed off. I don't know if you can say pissed off on your show. I apologize sure. for that. But we say it all. OK, so I was so I was so pissed off because. You know, Putin was having his way with us around the world. Obama was so weak with Putin uh, that I finally got fed up. And I usually am a, in a you know fairly quiet guy. I don't like to make a lot of statements, but I came out and publicly said uh, in April of 2016, I had had enough. And I said, look, this is the biggest intelligence failure since 9-11, our, our failure to understand Putin's plans and intentions. Right. He's he's going into current, uh, uh, Ukraine, Crimea, Syria, Libya. Um, he's we're giving him money. We're giving the Obama administration money. They're refusing to spend it. I mean, you almost have to think, I mean, God, were they in bed with him? I was so frustrated with it. So take that, that fact, along with the fact that there's really nobody, the Trump campaign has very few people helping him. So when this stuff comes out, rolls out the the Russia nonsense in July and August, September, October, it's kind of like, this is a joke, right? Like it's, and in fact, you didn't you, you saw a lot of B grade reporters, I would say, right. that wrote about this. But if you notice, you didn't get the really top end fake news guys to write about this because they knew it was crap. They knew anybody who'd ever read any intelligence report knows when you read that dossier, it's toilet paper. It's a joke. Nobody who's ever been around intelligence knows that. So all the fake news people knew that. So they knew they were just running a narrative and it was laughable. And look, the American people didn't buy it. Uh, because Donald Trump won a resounding victory over Hillary Clinton. So nobody bought it. And then, you know, and I didn't even know the dossier existed. And then, of course, the rest is the rest is history. But it was easy to build a circumstantial case once you go back and look. Now what Durham is doing, because I know that's what you want to talk about. I mean, he's able to go in and get phone calls and emails and all the things that we were unable to do because they blocked us at every at, at every point. Right. Um, you know, during our investigation, but for in the large part, uh, our team got it. You know, near, basically nailed it, and so did you, and so did so did many other people. Yeah, I mean, I look back. I remember the first time I read the dossier, and I laughed out loud. I mean, continuously right. uh, throughout the entire dossier. I mean, it was like it, it was as if it was written by some junior high school, you know, wannabe fiction writer. Yeah. And it, it was so obviously phony that it was actually funny. And I've read it so many times yeah. since, and I never well, failed to laugh. I mean, it's you're, funny You're stuff. exactly right. I mean, when, when we got briefed on this, so everybody, I mean, it's, we're like the biggest idiots in town, right? Because the only people who don't have this dossier are the Republicans uh, and kind of the whatever is in the, of the independent conservative media. Uh, and of course, Trump. Everybody else has it. Every fake news outlet, every Democrat. Uh, every never never Trump Republican like John McCain. I mean, right. everybody has this damn thing, right? So when I first get briefed on this, it's pretty scandalous. And you know, and I can remember you know, uh, you know asking these guys, wait a second, what, what, what is this? What is this? What, what what is this in here? What, what's the backup for this? And of course, they didn't have anything. This was when it was classified in the ICA. Remember that? Yeah. And then so so we get briefed on this, and I mean, look, it's really scandalous. I mean. P tapes and prostitutes. I mean, it's right. unbelievable. Well, I don't know where the hell they're getting it from. 
right when I get briefed on this. And then, of course, I don't know, two or three days later, um, BuzzFeed publishes all the all the steel dossiers. And of right. course, Lee Smith, the great author, investigative journalist, he digs up other dossiers that, that had been out there by, you know, all, you know, former Clinton people. They were all spinning and carrying around dossiers everywhere. Right. They um, all, and and when I finally when I finally read it, I'm like, you what the is this a joke? Like. We just got briefed by the FBI, CIA that somehow this is relevant. There was no relevance in there. There was no evidence in that. It would take the it would take the FBI, you know, maybe four hours to be able to prove right. that, uh, prove that or not prove it. So, so that's like the major crime here. It's not just that this was a narrative that the Clinton campaign spun up. It's also that the FBI and that they they spied on Carter Page and and the in the Republican Party, quite frankly, because of that. That's a scandal, in a, you know, a, you know, a large conspiracy scandal. But then it's everything that happened after the fact that, you know, how the FBI was involved in this, when they got involved. They had to know by by September, October, November that this was all crap. They clearly knew the Alpha Bank thing was crap. But you had high level people, very few of them because it was a tight knit group that's because they used counterintelligence. I have to always we have to go back to that. They used right. a special carve out <laughs> under the law. In order to keep the, you know, it's it's the part of the law, Greg, that we try to go out and track down, you know, Chinese spies or Russian spies. So, you know, you've got to keep it because, you know, it's possible you could have a mole within the FBI or the CIM. And it's happened throughout history. So there's a reason why you would have to run a tight knit investigation. The only thing with this part was, is these were the moles. The guys running the investigation were the very ones who were frauding the government. The very, you know, all those people in that circle, in that loop were essentially the equivalent of, you know, might as well be Russian or Chinese spies because they weaponized the intelligence agency against American citizens, specifically their political enemies. And look, it's only gotten, they've, they've normalized all this. Like people, like right now, I think a broader number of people are starting to see what the DOJ now has the balls to go do. And, you know, so much so that now you can't even go to your school board and complain about how, you know, what what is in your kid's curriculum, whether or not the COVID (laughs) rules are are appropriate. Now you've got an attorney general who has a license to be completely corrupt. Things that we never would have imagined five years ago are now normalized. And that's that's what happens when you when you weaponize in all countries, you weaponize your intelligence agencies and your in your justice departments against your own citizens. It's how republics fall. And that's sadly where, where we're at right now. Yeah. If you're a parent who dares to complain uh, before a school board, um, you know, you're you know going to be classified as a domestic terrorist. And Merrick Garland, the attorney general, is going to sick the FBI on you. It's, I mean, it's insanity. But look, uh, it's, it's total insanity, Greg. And just one one other point. It's not just. It's happened, you know, you take all this, you know, white supremacy issue that, that Garland's talking about. Don't forget the also talking about that was our Department of Defense, our Secretary of Defense, General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So they're all talking about this, too, like like as if this is like the, our biggest problem in the United States of America. And meanwhile, you know, we end up losing 13 warriors in Afghanistan because they're running around spinning up political narratives essentially trying to continue to take out conservatives in this country. Yeah. I mean, that's really what this is about. When you hear the Department of Defense talking about rights, white supremacy and it being a problem, blah, blah, blah. They have no evidence of that. And the fact that they're spending time on that 
So now you have a weaponized Justice Department, weaponized intelligence agency, and a weaponized military. That is the quintessential definition of how republics fail. Well said. Um, you know, top lawyer, I, it, this 27-page criminal indictment uh, that Durham has come up with, uh, it's very revealing. It's very specific. Times, dates, places. He seems to have the goods, and now he's issued more subpoenas. And the top lawyers of the law firm of, of Perkins Coie seem to have been the point people for the phony collusion narrative, feeding it to the FBI while allegedly lying about uh, who they were doing it on behalf of Hillary Clinton, and also spreading it to the media. And of course, they funneled money to Christopher Steele, who fabricated the anti-Trump dossier you and I have been talking about. That was given to the FBI and the press to damage Trump. But what I found interesting is at the center of this illicit, if not illegal, scheme is Hillary Clinton's close advisor, a guy by the name of Jake Sullivan. Who is he? Well, he's now President Joe Biden's national security advisor. So let's think about that for a moment. The person who's currently reviewing top secret national security matters for the president is the very same guy who helps spread knowingly false information about national security. So, Congressman, how worrisome is that and how culpable is Jake Sullivan? Look, it's even it's worse than that, Greg. I've said from the very beginning, I think we identified close to a dozen people uh, who have essentially failed upward. So if you were involved, you were in the Obama administration and you were involved in the Russia hoax, the P tapes, the, the P tape hoax, you basically got every one of those people got promoted, every single one of them. So yeah, Sullivan is of concern because he's in that position. Remember where General Flynn was, which is why they why the cabal knew they had to get rid of Flynn because they knew Flynn could could smoke out the rats. So that's really the the number one person that represents the president of the United States throughout what we just talked about: the military, the Justice Department, all the national security apparatus. So and look, when you when you put people like that, I, I just like Sullivan. The guy's, you know, not qualified. And if you look not at the remotely debacle, qualified, not, not remotely not even qualified. Close. I mean, well, just the fact that the that in back in 2016, he was sending out this Russia hoax crap that they concocted. And then also we don't don't forget the fact that they went out and found either phony Russians or real Russians to essentially corro- corroborate the lies that they were spreading. Let's not forget that. So this is a hoaxer of all hoaxers who's a, who's this is a scandalous dude that's now in the top position uh, in the in the Biden administration. And look, when that happens, it's all look, I, I say this many times. It's all fun and games when, you know, that look, it's we know the left controls 95 percent of the content that is created by so-called journalism in this country, 95 percent at least. And then when you run that through the Googles, the YouTubes, the Facebooks and all of that, you know, what what average Americans see that 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 don't really get involved in politics, it's ninety nine point nine percent is crap. That's why you still have half of Americans who think that Donald Trump did something with Russia because they don't even have a chance to get the, the real information. Well, look, it's all fun and games when you control all that in a country. 
right? Like Putin does in, in Russia, like, like the Chinese Communist Party does in China. They know a lot about propaganda and how to weaponize the news media and how to make it work for yourself and build out your narratives. Well, and it's happened here in the United States. But guess what? When you live in your bubble inside the United States, you can get away with it, right? But when you go to places like Afghanistan, the you-know-what gets real and the you-know-what hits the fan and you end up with a debacle and a disaster. And Sullivan is directly responsible for this along with along with the Secretary of Defense. Those two guys are the ones that are responsible. So you go from five years ago spinning up you know, crazy-ass stories uh, you've destroyed, you've done tremendous damage because the stories you spun up for five years, and now you end up in one of the top positions, you know, at the, you're ba- he's basically at the pinnacle of, of where anyone can get to in the national security apparatus. Right. And he was involved in, in the origination of this garbage back in 2015 and 16. It's really frightening. And look, there's a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch of other ones that have also been promoted, yeah. but, but he's <laughs> culpable, Greg, because, you know, there are tweets and press releases right. and statements and interviews that he's in. Yeah, I'm sure he would say, oh, gosh, I didn't know it was a lie. Well, you'd have to be a <laughs> moron not yeah. to know that it was a lie. Of course he knew it, it was a lie. Guys like Jake Sullivan prove the Peter principle that in a hierarchy, people rise to the highest level of their own incompetence and there is nobody more incompetent than jake sullivan and and in my judgment corrupt but there are others top fbi officials like james comey andrew mccabe peter struck and others they too deliberately exploited the big lie collusion as a pretext to spy on the trump campaign and pursue without proper justification their damaging investigation of Trump, even though they had no credible evidence to support it. And in fact, just the opposite. They learned early on that it was all a lie and they concealed that information. That's what's so insidious. They concealed it and hid that information while escalating uh, the investigation of Donald Trump. In your mind, shouldn't people like Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, shouldn't they too be held accountable under the law. So, so the, I mean, obviously, every, everyone should, Greg, but I think what you have to apply here is just common sense, like we've already discussed uh, uh, you know, a little earlier. Uh, when you read that dossier, there's, there's no possible way that anyone who has been involved, look, I, I, I've, I say only, I've only been involved in this in kind of reading intelligence reports for a little over a decade now, right? But I guess, I guess this is my eleventh year. I guess before that, you can say, you know, I was brief, you know, side, you know, spent quite a bit of time overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan, that sort of thing, on, in my congressional capacity. Uh, but, but even me, who has really not been formally trained, right? I haven't been like a like, you know, I didn't go through the FBI school or CIA courses and move my way up. Uh, you know, I didn't receive that training. But even I know that that dossier is a joke. Right. So it's not. So why would the highest levels of our intelligence agency insist on putting that into an intelligence report and briefing it to the highest level of the United States Congress, the gang of eight that I was a part of? 
back in January of 17. It wasn't believable then. It's not believable now. So to, to try to, 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 to spin away, Comey can say, I don't remember, you know, 5,000 more times. But there's no plausible explanation that he was not fully aware that this was a complete and total scam and he had to have been involved in it. Yeah. Let's talk now about the many lies the FBI fed to the FISA court judges. The FBI had evidence that Carter Page, an advisor to the Trump campaign, was not a Russian spy. In fact, uh, they had evidence that he was just the opposite. He was a U.S. intelligence asset who had been helping our own government. Yet the FBI hid that exculpatory evidence, and they told the FISA court that they had probable cause that Carter Page was a Russian spy. Now, fast forward. It was the Justice Department Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, who, you know, first caught on to these lies. And some time ago, he issued a scathing report about the FBI's misconduct in all of this. And in fact, so alarmed was Horowitz that he continued to dig. And now his latest report just came out. He looked, Congressman, at a sampling of 29 other wiretap applications, and he found an astonishing 209 errors, many of them quite serious. And on top of that, another 209 other examples where there was no support for the factual assertions against the targeted innocent individuals. In other words, the FBI was just making stuff up. They're breaking every rule in the book to spy on people and violating their constitutional rights. So what does that tell you about the FBI? Well, I I don't want to, it's your show and I don't want to correct you, but I just want to make sure for the record uh, that the reason, and I I owe this to my colleagues and, and my great team, the reason that we ended up with Horowitz was because of the work that we had done. We were the ones who uncovered that they had lied to the FISA court. It was great people like Cash Patel, who was our lead investigator, right. um, Trey Gowdy, a uh, former member of Congress. You know, we were the ones who actually proved that uh, point, you know, plain and simple. And then if you remember at the time, uh, you had all the top level of government, including the current FBI director who said, I'm paraphrasing, but it was scandalous. It was going to be destructive that Republicans were releasing this information. Right. And they essentially explain it away as if there's nothing there. And, you know, the more we dug, the more lies we found. And then finally, uh, you had what, what at the time we assumed was going to be, you know, we had built a pretty damn good case uh, already. I mean, we had them dead to rights that they had lied to the, lied to the FISA court. Uh, and then what they did in a, in a slick move uh, Rosenstein, because remember, um, Sessions had been recused at the time, the, the actual uh, uh, head of the Justice Department, the attorney general, he had recused himself. So Rosenstein pulled kind of the swampiest move that you see a lot of times, which is, oh, we're going to take away from you, Congress, and say there's an investigation going on. So that was also a cover up in and of itself. Right. Mm-hmm. It was an obstruction of a congressional <laughs> investigation. We assumed that when uh, Horowitz got involved, in fact, I never even met with Horowitz. We sent him all the information. Some of my other colleagues did from the other pertinent committees. But (laughs) I I just made the assumption that Horowitz is going to bury this. And look, 
it took him a really long time to get to the bottom of this. At the end of the day, there were some things that, that weren't right. But all in all, uh, I do think that he deserves a, a lot of credit, Greg. But I just wanted to make sure that people uh, understand that that was actually our investigation that un- that uncovered that. Oh, it was. And he-, he just and he just built on top of it. And now, as he continues to investigate, I think what you're finding is is that the process is flawed and broken. And now, you know, the question is, how do you fix it? Um, because a lot of people say, well, just get rid of it. Well, if you get rid of it, then you go back to what we had pre-reforms. We ended up with the FISA court because we had massive abuses back in the 60s and 70s, actually spying on Martin Luther King right. by Democrats, by the way. Um, and that came about after the uh, the church commission, the Frank Church Commission's. Um, in the in the mid 70s, that's what actually created the House Intelligence Committee, the FISA courts and all of that. So there's not a simple solution right now uh, to the problem, because I know a lot of people on the right say, well, we got to get rid of it. Well, you get rid of it. Can you imagine having Attorney General Garland in charge of all the intelligence apparatus? Hell, they'd make it look like uh, uh, child's play. What uh, these cats did. I mean, it would right. it would be unbelievable to go back <clears throat> to the 1960s. They could just open investigations on all of us. So um, so you can't really get rid of it. So you have to reform it. And how do you reform it when currently you have an entire Democratic Party who is implicated in the destruction of our intelligence committee, the corruption of our intelligence committee? Right. I mean, right. this is these are the Democratic Party, top all their top political people, including Obama, including Biden, including Jake Sullivan. I mean, all these characters are involved in this. All the hierarchy of the FBI, including the current FBI. Remember, uh, you know, and I. Ray accused us of trying to, just, you know, of, of, of weakening national security. So, you know, you and there, he's still in power. So he's still in charge. So, you know, how do you get from from where we are now to uh, to fixing the problem? I think the only solution is going to be Durham has to be able to continue this investigation and unravel this whole thing. And people have to pay the price. If they don't pay the price, you're going to end up in an, in an America where you've got more and more people that are fleeing places like California and Manhattan to places like Idaho and Texas. And you're going to have this strange country where you've got essentially people who are a socialist communists living in these cities. Uh, and then you're going to have all the people who want to live in freedom out in the, you know, kind of the rural and vast expanses of, of America um, who aren't going to trust, quite frankly, the Department of Justice and the FBI. I don't have any polling on this, Greg, but I would venture to say that if you polled likely Republican voters right now, mm-hmm. uh, you, you would find that they probably want to disband the FBI, which yeah. you would not have, you would not have found that five years ago. You would have had 90 percent support within the Republican Party. And I bet today it's I bet today it's less than half. And yeah, that's I just got- a gut feeling of mine. It was a couple of years ago, maybe more three years ago, that I said, you know what? We need to start all over again. Get rid of the FBI and start from scratch a new agency with completely different rules and new leadership. And, you know, I I got criticized and criticized for months over that. But I think people have come to realize that um, that is merited because James Comey, James Comey ruined the FBI. He is, in my judgment, Congressman, one of the most corrupt, dishonest people I've ever seen in public life. He set the standard for the FBI, which which was the rule doesn't apply to us. We're a power unto ourselves. We're accountable to no one. We can ignore the law with impunity and violate people's rights. And that is James Comey's ugly legacy. 
uh, you, you know, he belongs behind bars, again, in my opinion. Uh, and, it's, and, 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 you know, there was a criminal a referral slope. against him. And, you know, he's always managed to, to skate. And what's tragic is that under his successor, Christopher Ray, nothing has changed. Ray is nothing more than James Comey in a different suit. Uh, you know, I have no confidence in the current FBI's director to institute the reforms he claims he's going to make and has made uh, under the FISA uh, court system. It, it's yeah. just it, it, it's not happening. And Horowitz's report proves it. Well, look, what you'd like to see, um, you know, out of the out of the FBI, the top levels here, the so-called independent actors that are out there, right? The people, you know, that's the whole idea with a 10-year FBI director is that they're supposed to be non-political. Um, and you would think, and you know, and I've, I've, this is nothing that I haven't said, said publicly in front of Ray. Ray testified finally before the Congress earlier this year. Um, you know, what, what he really ought to do, you know, he's in a position where he could actually help things out. And, you know, instead of saying, well, there's investigations going on, he ought to come forward and say, look, uh, what happened back in 2017 and 18, how we treated the Republicans on the committee, the investigation that you guys did. Um, thank you for that. Uh, you know, he should we welcome congressional oversight. He should say, I made statements at the time that were wrong and inappropriate. Um, I apologize for that. I apologize to the Congress. I apologize to the American people. Uh, and I'm going to do better. Um, but you don't hear him say that. You know, it's, it's the old adage that, you know, you have to um, uh, admit you have a problem right before you can solve the problem. And, uh, you know, they just haven't admitted it yet. And so it's uh, it's just, and look, and, and all of these bad actors, if you go back, you know, from Mueller to Comey to to everything that happened in 15 and 16 and and all through 17 and 18 and you know, even to today, it culminates where you have an attorney general of the United States who's now weaponized the FBI right. against parents in the in in this country. I mean, this is frightening. I mean, it's a it's a what's and and every one of these things builds on the other. And this is another area where Ray could come out and say, look, Attorney General, I ain't doing this. I ain't right. doing this. We've had we have no jurisdiction. I, I ain't this. doing. We have no jurisdiction. Um, you know, look, we'll follow up on real threats that people make and that sort of thing. If the, you know, obviously, you know, you can't go in and, and threat people with threaten people with bodily harm. But you know, this whole idea that you can't go to school board meetings or you know public meetings where you're supposed to go—that's part of having a legislative process in this country and a, and a democratic process is where you can go and explain your grievances to the school board members that you elect. I served six years uh, on a school board. Um, you know, and now look, that doesn't mean that it's okay to track people down, harass people and that sort of thing. That's a different, that's a different issue. But Garland didn't make that case. Garland gave no evidence of what the hell he, you know, Ray and the FBI G-men are supposed to be out investigating. You know, if right. he's got some evidence of some parents that did something great, well, show us what it is. So look, I know that's not what I came on to talk about today, but but I just I think it's an important point to make yeah. how far we've fallen and how far we have to go. Yeah, I, I wrote a column on this very matter right after uh, Garland came out with his memo order sicking the FBI on parents who, you know, had the audacity to complain about curricula. Uh, and I would invite 
you know, our listeners to take a look at that uh, email. It makes many of the same uh, arguments. Um, at any rate, I, my final question here, and I'm going to try to change your mind a little bit, okay? Okay. Uh, and it's about getting rid of the FISA court. Look, I uh, have made the argument for three years that the FISA court ought to be disbanded. I know you're against that notion, but, but my uh, argument is as follows. If something is broken, you try to fix it. If after you try to fix it, it still doesn't work, it's time to toss it out. And the Wall Street Journal uh, came out with an editorial a couple of days ago, and it makes the argument that it was always a mistake to create the FISA court, bringing Article Three judges into the intelligence collection business. And the journal writes, and I'll quote here, Congress should abolish the FISA court and return authority to the law enforcement leaders making surveillance decisions, then hold them accountable, including jail time for abuses. Uh, you know, you just go back to the old fashioned way. Based on probable cause, you got to go to a federal judge if you want a surveillance warrant. And, you know, you have to demonstrate that you have probable cause. Show me the proof. Uh, the problem with the FISA court is they just accept everything in the FBI and people, corrupt people like uh, Comey and McCabe and others. They just accept it on face value. They don't even hold a hearing. They just rubber stamp it. So isn't there some merit to starting all over again by first getting rid of the FISA court? Well, I, I, I actually agree with you that, that we need a new system. Um, so I think it's more about tactics and how you get there. So clearly what we have today is not working. But what my point is, Greg, if you just if, if, if we were just today, I mean, look, Garland and company would love, love nothing more to abolish the FISA court because with all the puppets that they have there, I mean, hell, they'd have all of us under wiretap. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, they would just I mean, that's what they did in the 60s. So that's right. what they would end up doing again. That's that's my only point. It's, it's not that that we need a new system. It's that if you let these guys in charge and you do what the Wall Street Journal says, put them back in charge. Well, how are you going to pass a law through the Congress? I agree. There needs to be major jail time. That's one of the problems. that, And, and you and I have discussed this many times over the last five years. Um, there was no specific law on what happens if, if uh, FBI officials and intelligence officials lie to this court. It wasn't like a simple, there was not a simple process. Right. So- how do you put that process in place? I agree. Um, look, it's Congress needs to take some of its responsibility back. But right now, when you have a Congress, can you imagine um, if you had the characters that, that I have to deal with on the House Intelligence Committee? Um, they control the gavel. It's not me. They would be the ones who would controlling this whole process. So you, you take Garland and company supplemented by the Intelligence Committee Democrats who are essentially socialist communists, uh, they would love to go back to that. So, look, there's no perfect fix, but I can tell you right now, we just can't abolish it because you would put people even worse than the FISA court in charge. And I mean, hell, all of us would be wiretapped. Don't forget, Greg, they've already proven they'll do it. Yeah, they've already proven they'll do it. They targeted <laughs> me, my phone records, my staff's phone records, and they re released them publicly. Mm -hmm. Democrats did that in the legislative body. So, I mean, hell, they'd go after every reporter and investigative journalist they don't like in a nanosecond. So I don't know. There's not a we, we don't disagree. We, I think we agree. We just there's just no easy solution. Yeah. 
You're absolutely right. Uh, Congressman Devin Nunes of California, ranking member of the House uh, Intelligence Committee. Thank you very much for joining us today and especially all the hard work you put in uh, in uncovering uh, the Russia hoax, which is, as I have written many times before, the greatest mass delusion in American political history and certainly the dirtiest political trick. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, Greg, thanks for having me. And of course, like I said, um, you were a warrior in all this. And there was very few of you who stood up at the time. And I always will be very thankful for what you and just a few others were willing to do, which was real investigative journalism. Thank you, Congressman. Appreciate it. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.